This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Indoors or out, fall, winter, spring, and summer, whenever you garden, wherever you garden, this is the show that covers it all. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And good morning. Uh, I'm uh, Franklin Proctor, the... uh, Sue Chef of the Garden, and welcome along here to, um, I've got a crackling line here. You know what it is? No, it's a... uh, It's a headset. It's a headset that's gone wonky. But there, I think I'm... (laughs) Just don't move. If I sit here and hold this thing, (laughs) hold the plug, it makes a connection. Anyway, that's my problem, not yours. Nobody wants to hear about that. No, exactly right. We're supposed to cheer people up, not give them more problems. Uh, Frank Proctor here. Oh, and there's Grace Grace with a new set of headphones. Bless your heart. Thank Saint you, Grace. Grace, Grace uh, will be the first person to whom you speak when you call in at this number if you're in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-744-740. And the mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. There we go. But you know what happens. It always seems to be in the last or one yeah. or two calls where they try and sneak in that second question. I so we're, we're on the lookout for you. That's right. <laughs> We've got the question police standing by. So, Charlie Dobbin, how are you? I'm well, Franklin Proctor. And well, yourself. just terrific. Thank you. I was in your neighborhood last uh, week. What? Early. You didn't drop by? No. You know what? I was down at Vineland oh, yeah. Innovation and Research Center. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It's a very old facility, but it's really got super invigorated in the last couple of years. Uh, It's a horticultural research. Mm -hmm. And the researchers, well, we actually had Dr. Michael Brownbridge on the show a couple of months ago. Yeah, that's right. And he was one of the researchers Mm -hmm. there. So um, what it is, is it's it's like very um, intense scientific research, but part of their mantra is bring the research to the people. You know, make it real, mm-hmm. make it understandable, make it mm-hmm. uh, something people can work with. So I was for the there. Layman. Yeah. That's right, for us average folk. And uh, I was there all day Sunday, last Sunday, as part of a Master Gardeners event. And 150 people were there listening to the researchers give us updates on what they're doing. Hey, that must have been really It was amazing. Yeah. It was really interesting. So then um, Elliot and I spent two days tootling around tasting wines. Well, now, what a tough job. It, but somebody's yes, got to do it, I was going to say. It was, big, big time, by the way, in the Niagara Peninsula, the... Uh, Niagara Grape and Wine Festival just got underway last Friday. That's right. I'm going to be speaking to the executive director on my show this morning. As a matter of fact, the Pied Piper parades today. There you go. Oh, yeah. Well, I was there doing the the pre tour. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, of course, it's all sort of happening now. And it was happening. The grapes are coming off. It's going to be a bumper crop. I understand the weather conditions have been excellent for them. Yeah, Yeah. they're all excited. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the the wine business and uh, the vines and everything else. Well, no better better person to be testing wines than you. Yes, well, anybody that 
that cleans off the front lawn with a wine bag, you know, a, <laughs> with, a with a wine, wine on my backpack, yeah. exactly, just about, uh, just about. Okay, a couple of quick things to, to tell everybody about. There are some events going on besides just the wine festival down in Niagara. This weekend in Hamilton, the Hamilton and District Chrysanthemum and Dahlia Society is hosting their annual show. This, of course, is at the Royal Botanical Gardens. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows where that is in Burlington. Uh, and it's uh, open to the public as of 12.30 today and will be open until 6 o'clock and then tomorrow from 10 until 3. The blooms are all auctioned off at the end of the show. So if you're, if you're at all um, a lover of chrysanthemums and dahlias, just go just to see, right, the colors, the shapes, the sizes. It's a, it's a show. And then, of course, you can also buy some of the stems at the end. So that's fun. Going on as well in Hamilton at the Christ Church Cathedral on James Street North is a floral carpet display this weekend. So that's open to the public from 10 to 4 today and noon till 4 tomorrow. So a floral carpet is is when a, um, a square footage or, or acreage of land, usually a hard yeah. surface mm-hmm. of uh, um, either pavement, it's often done outside as opposed to inside, but, you know, big concrete mm-hmm. slab, is filled with little four-inch, usually, pots of flowers, mm-hmm. but they're laid out in such a way that it's it looks like a carpet from above because oh, they're all packed yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So if, you're, if you could fly over top, you know, get a little helicopter and hover, it will look like a Persian carpet or it will be a, an incredible display of That's our next beauty. project, to build a little helicopter to you and fly I, over those. I thought you were going to say we were going to be the artists to design <laughs> oh, a carpet. You wouldn't want my design, no. Well, you never know. Uh, okay, tomorrow, for those of you that are rose aficionados and uh, whatever. The, big word, they, huh? Yeah, that was too big, obviously. <laughs> tomorrow, the Rose Toronto Rose and Garden Society meets from at 2 o'clock at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, which, as you know, is at Leslie and Lawrence Avenue East in Toronto. The featured speaker is from France. His name is Jacques Moucher. He is a rose hybridizer with Miland Roses. So his topic is fragrance of roses. Not a bad thing to get uh, to learn a little more about mm-hmm. because so often that's why we grow roses. Have you ever seen anybody walk by a rose and not no, lean no, over. No, that's right. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> so yeah. Everybody wants to sniff roses. So this is all about fragrance. Non-members of the group, it's a $10 admission. Members, of course, are free. Uh, all right. And then just a couple of quick updates. Yep. Member... I was going to say member last week, and then, I, yeah, yeah, you were here last week. Thank you. I'm glad <laughs> you sure remember. You're, you're here today. <laughs> you weren't here this morning, but uh, I guess you're sort of here now. <laughs> we had a caller, Barbara. Uh, oh, that's what it was. Grace wasn't here. That's what was throwing me off last week. Um, we had a caller, Barbara, from Toronto, and she was asking about a Newfoundland mock orange. Yeah, I And I that. didn't yeah. know what she was talking about. All right. It's called Starbright. That's the cultivar. One word, Starbright. It's the first mock orange that was exported out of Newfoundland. It was, you know, selected mm-hmm. in Newfoundland and exported into the rest of the world. It what came out in 2006. It's, um, it's distinctive because it has a bronzy purple foliage, not the typical green or golden of mock oranges. Very fragrant, speaking of fragrance, uh, but short flowering time, uh, early summer, May to mid-June usually. Mock oranges get pretty big, and this one gets six feet tall by five oh, no feet kidding. wide. Wow. Needs full sun. Uh, it's lovely, lovely. Like I say, white, fragrant flowers. Um, a hard prune immediately after flowering. You're looking at me like no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying just, something mean. I, no, well, <laughs> I, I just re, I, I, 
I really have it against plants that are taller than me. And <laughs> six feet tall, huh? It's too big, wow. yeah. Mm. Right. Well, the hard pruning keeps it down to size. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but always remember, you are the master of your plants. <laughs> so that was introduced in 2006, Barbara, Star Bright Mock Orange, mm-hmm. from what I can understand. It is available at Loblaws. So if, uh, not now, but maybe next spring, if you're looking for it, that might be the place to, to get it. Uh, now, I just need to make a funny segue from mock oranges and fragrance to athletics and sports. Oh, yes. Okay, so as you know, we often chat a bit about Sierra Sil, mm-hmm. which is a natural mineral complex that both you and Elliot and several others of my family take That's right. and swear by as being something that, on, taken on a daily basis, can really help keep you active, which is important because today is the first annual National Sports Day. This is the Get Canadians Off the Couch and Onto Their Feet Day. And so if you haven't... Off your bums and onto your booties. That's, That's right. It. And if you're yeah. having any issues with that, you should be taking Sierra Sil. It's a very simple product. It's minerals. It's all natural. It's uh, It's got a lot of good things going for it, and it certainly can help you stay active if you're having issues at all. Any information, go to their website, sierrasill.ca, or give them a call, one joint 14 And may I congratulate you on a very sweet segue. Yeah, very nicely done. <laughs> Back in a moment. Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Uh, the queen of the quints is with us, of course, Charlie Dobbin. Uh, we have a little uh, ritual that we have to go through every week. I have to bow and scrape as we come Which, into the studio. Well, you are the undergardener, <laughs> yes, after all. Yes, that's Keep exactly that in right. Mind. Thank you. Know, and being short, you see, it really helps. <laughs> that's right. I can walk under most things. <laughs> Including my ego. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not huge at all. Well, I think we better get on the phone lines here. Robert and Kitchener has been hanging on there. Uh, so, Robert, welcome to the show. Hello, Robert. Oh, no, he's not. Good morning, Robert. Uh, Robert. Okay. We'll, no? Let's go to Kathleen. Okay. Kathleen in Keswick. Oh, I like that. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> Good morning, Kathleen. Oh, well, okay. oh, have Grace, if we got problems. Well, maybe this person is really not there. Or uh, Grace uh, is trying to hook us in, but it's not hooking. But while she fiddles with that, I can give you some updates. <laughs> Another one more update from last week. We had a call from Catherine yes. in Milton, uh-huh. and she was asking about borers in her elder shrubs. And I said, well, I've never really heard of borers and elders, That's but right, it turns call. out yeah. that borers are insects that get inside the stems mm-hmm. of woody plants. Elders are a shrub. You maybe have had elderberries at some point, elderberry jam, elderberry wine. Uh, So she commented she lives in Milton and that she's had some issues with borers. Turns out there are elder borers. They uh, can be a big problem. Any borers can be a big problem when a plant is first planted, so when it's very young, or when it's older, it's a more mature plant. And uh, so that's one of the things that could be going on is always, always keep an eye on newly planted elders and later planted older ones. Water thoroughly. Elders love moisture, so never let them suffer for lack of moisture uh, because in the natural environment, you'll find them in low, swampy areas. Remember mulch. Mulching our gardens will help alleviate a lot of stress from the plants, whether it's drought stress or, uh, you know, hot, hot sun Mm -hmm. or weeds or or bugs in general. So, um, yeah, remember the mulch. Uh, and always keep an eye. You'll know you have borers in a, in a tree or a shrub because you'll see uh, sawdust 
right at the base of the stem, right on the ground. Little, little piles of sawdust, and that tells you something is chewing inside there. So always keep an eye. If you do see evidence of bores, be prepared to get out your sharp pruners and just cut out the stems. You try, and you try to eliminate the insects by eliminating the woody material that the insects are in. Okay. All and right? the way I tell if there are bores in uh, the plants, if I start to drift off and go to sleep and don't pay any attention, <laughs> you know, they bore me. Okay. I think Kath, <laughs> Kathleen is ready in Keswick. Hi, Kathleen. Hi. Morning. I've got a very silly question. No, no Rhubarb leaves. Yeah. I've been told not to put them in the, to be recycled. Uh, into your composter, you in mean? Any composter. Because you're talking about the blade of the leaf, not the, not the actual stem, but the blade, the right? The blade, yes. They are poisonous, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you not put them in the compost, or do you eat your compost? I, I use my, but I do not put it in the compost. Should I? Yeah, I would. I oh, mean, you would, even though they're poisonous. Yeah, I mean, unless you have a- like acres and acres of rhubarb, and it's just going to be like pure rhubarb leaves, oh. I would be a little hesitant. But, uh, you know, a couple of leaves into a compost, no big deal at all. Okay, fine. Okay, Thank yeah. You. There is no question they are poisonous, but the the amount of poison in any leaf as it decomposes is negligible. Don't worry. Okay, fine. Thank Thanks you for your well, call, take, Kathleen. Taking Thank a worry you. away there. 917 here in the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show from AM740. I'm Frank Proctor. As we say, good morning to Mike in Mississauga. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Um, I'm calling on behalf of a friend. Mm-hmm. He has uh, a plum tree, mm-hmm. and it's infested with uh, some kind of a fungus, and never bared any fruit or nothing. And uh, there's a couple of suckers coming up on the tr- side of the trunk, and he was thinking of cutting it down and let the suckers come up and see what become of it. Mm-hmm. I told him I th- that I think there could be a product out there that could uh, be sprayed and get rid of this fungus. What does the fungus look like, do you know? Uh, it's all over the tree. Uh, it's hard. It's black. Um, it's almost like a scab, you know? Yeah, and it's actually like, if it's left long enough, it gets real knobby. Um, yeah. It looks like a cancerous uh, tumor-like yep. growth yep. on the exactly. branches. It is, the common name for that is black knot because it looks like knots almost mm-hmm. in the branch. Uh, it is, there is not a spray to kill that or to eliminate that fungus. The, the trick with black knot is when you first see it, it's, it's a question of removing the branches at least 18 inches into the center of the tree from the knots, from the, the visual uh, fungus. Okay. As you indicate, if it's all over the tree and every branch is covered, yeah. uh, the question is, can he cut it back far enough and still have a tree? If okay. not, and like you said, there's suckers coming from the base. The, right. the trick with fruit trees is that our fruit trees do not grow on their own roots, typically. All of our fruit trees and our roses and our mm-hmm. grape vines in Vineland, all of them are growing on the roots of another plant, oh. usually a hardier plant than themselves. Plums can are not usually growing on plums. They're co- often growing on things like quince and that sort of thing because it's just a hardier rootstock. So the idea of letting suckers grow up and ho- seeing if you get a plum or not is the challenge. And if it's an edible plum, it will depend on what the rootstock is because it's likely that those suckers are growing from the rootstock. I would say no, don't even go there. Just eliminate, cut, you know, dig the whole thing out and start again. But be very aware of black knot. Uh, it blows in. It's an airborne fungus, and it is any plant that's been trimmed is most susceptible at the pruning wounds to uh, to be infected with the, with the fungus. Interesting. Yeah, so it's, it's a real problem that one, but it can be controlled with judicious pruning at the right time. Right. 
Okay. And uh, cutting it back, does it matter what? No, it's when you see evidence of black knot, cut back uh, okay. right away. And remember, do the dip with your nice sharp pruners into an alcohol water mix or bleach water mix just to sterilize yeah, the pruners. You don't want to be transferring That's the right. problem That's to other right. areas. And yeah. you try and eliminate it. That way, and of course, what you've cut out, you take that right off the property. None of this sort of piling it in the back 40 because, again, it will release spores from that uh, from the black knot that's in those in those cuttings. Very good. Okay. Yeah, gee, if you have to cut back too much, Thanks. you know, you wind up with a telephone pole, that's right? That's right, yeah. yeah. So sometimes it does, you're at a point where it's just not going to work. You're just not going to have a, a living plant anymore uh, to be able to know what to do. Okay. Thank you for the call. We appreciate that very much. We'll be along with other callers here and uh, the call numbers from uh, Toronto area, 416-360-0740. Or anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Charlie Dobbin shall return. Through rainy days and long droughts, infestations and early frost, she's the one constant in your garden. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And we proudly say that Charlie Dobbin is the only gardener on the air in Toronto. There you are. There you go. Oh, hello. That's, we not only probably say that, but that's actually true. Yeah, that's we are we are the only garden show come you know broadcast live from Toronto. Well, there you go. Yeah, so yes. we're pretty special. Well, let's go to the lines here. Roger <laughs> from Midland has been waiting on the line to talk about maple leaf. Is that right, uh, Roger? That's right, Frank. Okay. Morning, Roger. Good morning, Charlie. We've I've noticed the last two seasons. Uh, some of the leaves on the maple trees are coming down prematurely, and they're covered with black spots. Mm-hmm. Is that anything to be concerned about? Because the next year, the tree looks very healthy. Okay, so what that tells me is that the maple trees you're talking about are Norway maples? I think so. They're about 30 years old, Charlie. Yeah, and the, they are, for whatever reason, Norway maples are very susceptible to a fungus, and it's called uh-huh. tar spot. So it's as if... Frank in his little helicopter up there had a had a bucket of tar and a paintbrush, and he he uh, sort of whipped some tar from above onto the leaves. So they've got these black blotches on them. Right. Uh, it it has was certainly we saw a lot of tar spot last year. We're seeing it again this year. We've been seeing it for about the last four or five years. It's a fungus that is the infests the maple, the Norway maples, in the spring when the leaves are first emerging. Right. When it's raining and it's, you know, typical spring rains are happening, the fungal spores are typically um, are released from the year before's leaves that are on the ground in the spring. Okay. And they float up using moisture in the air and, in fact, the brand new leaves. But we don't see any evidence of the fungus until roughly late July, early August. Starts That's with a little, started, kind of a yeah. yellow halo and that fills in and becomes darker and darker until it's a black spot. Bottom line, should you worry about it? It's not pretty, but it certainly won't hurt, kill the tree. Okay, good. The That's tree, the main thing. Yeah. yeah, the tree has had the whole season to have beautiful green leaves, to do proper photosynthesis, to be full of carbohydrates and energy to get through the winter, no problem. Now, as those leaves start to deteriorate a little bit early, it doesn't take away from all the, the good photosynthesizing that they did. Shortens their season a tiny bit by dropping early, but not enough to ever kill the tree. So you have to maybe clean away the, the leaves that have dropped? Is that it? If you want to try and eliminate the fungus from your property, this is assuming that you don't have neighbors with Norway maples, the 
the rule of thumb is rake them all up, bag them all up, and send them off to the the city you know landfill or the, the city compostable uh, uh, drop-in center. What I do though is because I rely on Norway maples to get organic material for my garden. I use my lawnmower and I run over these tar spot infested leaves in the fall with my lawnmower with the bag on catching the leaves in the bag and then I take those uh, chewed up leaves put them in the garden and they are all completely decomposed by June or or even uh, before June by May Mm -hmm. next year and that way I try and eliminate the fungus from my property but of course I'm surrounded by Norway maples anyway so you know it's one of those things you can do everything perfect in your yard but it can still come in from elsewhere but I wouldn't worry about it it's a bit unsightly but not not something that's going to hurt the tree. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for joining us, Roger. Thanks. You're welcome, Frank. Have a great day Thanks. up there in Midland. Thanks for the question. That's a pretty part of the country, it too. Sure isn't it sure is. Yeah. as fall comes, mm. they've gotten pretty as right. Lots Nine, of trees. 926 here on the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show from AM740. And uh, we're, uh, well, taking a call from uh, in town here in Toronto. Joyce is on the line. Hello, Joyce. Hello. Uh, good morning. Morning. Uh, good morning. I'm calling about um, on the little tag here. I'm uh, the least of the green thumbs, put it that way. <laughs> but I bought this nice plant uh, for my living room, and it's, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it right or not, it's called the oldest known plant. Is it cycad? It's C-Y-C-A-D? Yeah, it's a cycad. It's a kind of palm, right? Yes, and um, it, uh, the base of it looks almost like a little pineapple. And I'm just wondering, the, the pot it's in is quite small. It's only about six inches across. And when I, um, first of all, I want to know, when I water it, should I be wa- watering the actual, that pineapple as well, or just the soil? And when I put it into a larger pot, is there a certain special type of soil that I have to buy for it, uh, or just any type of potting soil? And there's also on two of the, there's not leaves, of course, I don't know what you would call them, spines, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, there's two of them are white, uh, have turned white, and so I'm worried about that I'm doing something wrong and and also about how much sun it needs, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm Like I say, I'm, um, I'm new to plants and I'm trying my best. <laughs> okay, not a problem. Well, what I would do is, first off, Pick up the plant that's in the six-inch pot now uh-huh. and look underneath. There will be drainage holes uh-huh. and see if you see any evidence of roots protruding and growing through those holes, those drainage holes. Okay. If you do, then that is a clue that you definitely should repot. Now, when we repot any plant, we don't want to be too dramatic and pot it up to a huge pot because the plant goes into big shock if you do that. Uh-huh. So when we go from a six-inch pot, traditionally it will go up to an eight-inch pot. Okay. Uh, even if you have a 10-inch pot on the, sh- on the shelf, don't use that. Go out and buy an eight-inch pot because you want to just gradually pot the plant up slowly but surely. Okay. In terms of soil, any, it's, the main thing is, is that it's a potting so- soil that you will use. It could be a soilless mix or it could be a, a potting soil. Mm-hmm. It should be fresh and sterile and right out of the bag. Um, you will find some soils out there that will actually say tropical plant soil, mm-hmm. which you could use if you're shopping somewhere where they have that. I mean, this is a tropical plant. Tropical plant soil will just be well-drained and it will be of the right consistency to you know, hold the moisture as required but provide the important drainage as well. Mm-hmm. So yes, you will, as, as you're repotting, you will need some fresh soil to do that. 
Sunlight, bright. You want that plant in a bright spot. In the, in the winter, it could be right in a window uh, where it's getting direct light. In the summer, it could be 5, 10 feet away from a, a southern or western facing window. So lots of bright indirect light is important. Mm-hmm. Um, water as necessary. So that's a, you know, feel the soil. <clears throat> Don't just water because it's Saturday. Water because it needs it. Mm-hmm. And when you're watering, you water enough that the water drains right through the soil into the saucer below. Let that saucer of water sit there for as long as 10 or 15 minutes. If there's still water sitting in the saucer, dump it in the sink at that point so that you've, you've thoroughly watered, but the plant isn't going to sit in water. And when you refer to white leaves or white fronds on the plant, are they white, like sort of fuzzy white or just kind of pale? Um, no, they're, um, well, like a, a butter color or, you know, yeah. and they're solid. Um, Sometimes when, when we see a um, lack of, of you know, proper fresh green healthiness in a plant, it can be because it's a variegated plant or it has you know, that kind of a golden coloring. But sometimes it is a nutritional situation. Have you fertilized at all this summer, the plant? Uh, no, I, I wasn't sure um, you know, what type to buy or anything. Okay, well, just a regular miracle grow is perfect. Mm-hmm. Have you, how, you've had that plant for a couple of months, it sounds yeah. like? Yeah. yeah. So what I would do is just do fertilize it once now mm-hmm. um, and then hold on to that fertilizer till next February because typically we fertilize our plants when they're actively growing. Mm-hmm. And right now plants aren't typically actively growing. They're kind of shutting down. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be a bad idea just to mix up some fertilizer and give it, you know, one nice shot of some, uh, particularly if you're repotting, give it a shot of fertilizer at that point then put away the fertilizer till the spring mm-hmm. but i think you'll find that that's probably it'll be it treated as you know kind of sort of common sense in a sense you know bright light water as necessary fertilize just once to give it a little boost and repot as it as it outgrows its current pot using a nice fresh preferably tropical potting soil okay and, and when i'm watering should i bother um Letting the water go onto that, what I call pineapple, or just on the soil? Just on the soil is fine. Mm-hmm. All right. And if, unless you have a very dry house, you could mist in the winter, and that's where you'll get a little bit of moisture happening uh, mm-hmm. around that little, the pineapple scales. But the thing to keep in mind is when you're watering a plant like that, whether it's misting or watering, room temperature water, preferably that has sat out for at least 24 hours. Okay. Okay. Good. Just get rid of the chlorine and that oh. fluoride and all that out of the water. Oh, that's great. Well, all good right. luck in your gardening career. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Let us know how well, that works out. If it's the oldest living plant, after all, I have to keep it living, right? That's a lot of pressure, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you Joyce. so much. Thank you, Joyce. <laughs> 9.32 here at AM 740, the Charlie Dalvin Garden Show. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, or undergardener, as Charlie likes to prefer to me. Uh, uh, yes, to me. Mm-hmm. I do like that, don't I? Yeah, I know you do. All right. We've got Francis <laughs> on the line again from Toronto. Hi, Francis. Hello. Morning. Good morning. I have uh, a phlox, and it's about uh, three feet high, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of mildew on them. It's, okay, Uh, it is the time of year where we do see a lot of mildew on our phlox. A couple things you can do. What color is the phlox? Is it bright pink? I have uh, five different varieties. And are they all looking equally as mildewy? Uh, No, uh, just uh, some of them. Yeah, which is exactly my point. There's flocks and there's flocks. There's some that are very resistant to mildew, and there's some that are very susceptible. Mm-hmm. If you find that unsightly mess of that completely, you know, annihilated, gnarly-looking plant not something that you want in your garden, 
almost the best thing you can do is eliminate that variety entirely and look for a more resistant variety to replace it with. Yes, and I like to dig uh, a lot of them out. Uh, there's far too many. Mm-hmm. The bunch, the, the clumps do get bigger and bigger and bigger, and that can also contribute to your problem. We can always lessen the amount of mildew or fungus in our gardens when we allow good air circulation. So good sun penetration and good air circulation keeps the garden healthier. As clumps of flocks, you start with like a little four-inch pot, and it's beautiful. It's got four or five stems. Ten years later, <laughs> it's you know three feet across, and there's 300 stems, and it's very, very dense. Mm-hmm. And that's where your mildew problems really, really take off. So just doing what you're saying there, just a little bit of dividing, what we call division, you know, lifting and dividing, shrinking those clumps down smaller, right away you're going to alleviate some of your problem. So should I cut them right down now or? I would, particularly if they're really ugly. Mm-hmm. It certainly won't hurt them because it's not like they're doing any. They're not. The leaves either have gone from they're completely covered in white, so they're not green and they're not photosynthesizing, or they've gone past that and they're all bronze and golden and crispy. So either way, aesthetically they're not pleasing. They're not doing any photosynthesis at all. You have an opportunity to cut them right down and get in there with a nice sharp shovel and really dig up and rearrange. Oh. It's all right to dig them up and transplant them somewhere else. Perfect time. Perfect. Yep. There and you perfect go. day, actually. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. This is the time to do it. The soil is nice and warm. The plants are ready to be moved. All right. And they're happy to do so. So if you can do it, do it this weekend. Good. All right. Wonderful. Keep those Thanks. plants happy. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Francis. And you are listening to the uh, the uh, Garden Show here at AM740. Charlie Dubbin, Master Gardener, here with us. Next on the line, Susan from Maple. Hi, Susan. Good morning. morning. I listen to your show every week. I have a question because um, in the spring I planted about a four and a half foot tall flowering dogwood and it has eastern exposure. Mm -hmm. How do I protect it for the winter? Because I do get a lot of wind because I have a ravine property. Okay. Now tell me when you say flowering dogwood, do you know, is it what's called, if you looked at the tag, would it say Cornus Florida? Yes, it does. Okay. So what that tells me is that that is a zone six plant and you live in maple, which is a zone five. So you are doing what we call pushing the zones. <laughs> okay. So all that means is that you've bought a plant that you love, and I don't blame you because I love dogwoods as well, uh, and you're pushing the zones because you're trying to grow a plant that's borderline hardy where you live. Now, putting it in an eastern location is not a bad location because your prevailing wind is from the northwest. Yes. So all winter, that cold, you know, you know, you remember the, the animated, you know, the big wind blowing yeah, in yeah. and the storms yeah. and everything. The cheeks are all puffed up on, you know, father wind and all that. That's all coming from the northwest. So if you're on the east, are you on the east side of the house or the garage or something? Have you got a building? Y- yes, but um, it's closer to the curbside, front of the, oh, the so property. Out. So it's not protected except for the cars that sit in the driveway overnight. Okay, so well, you can't ever drive again. That's <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Buy a big RV yeah. and just park it there, right? <laughs> Forever and ever. No, what you could do to help. Okay, remember this is a deciduous plant. So as fall is coming along, we haven't had it. Well, I guess we had a bit good rain there the other day. So we've had a good rain. 
as fall is continuing, make sure that this plant is not dry as winter comes. Keep your hose out as long as you can. Make sure your evergreens are all well watered. Make sure plants that are tender, newly planted, are well watered as winter comes. That's number one. Leaves are going to fall. Plant will become completely dormant. You can mulch that plant, and I would mulch that plant, even if it's using, uh, just like we do roses. You know how we heal our roses? We put about 9 or 10 inches of soil over the crown of the plant. You can do the exact same thing with this dogwood. Uh, Okay. Over the crown, so over the base of the plant, a a mound of soil or um, some straw or leaves or, you know, compost, anything that's going to provide some insulation around the crown. What that will do is, because it is a fairly newly planted plant this past spring, you want it, it's going to have put down some roots, but you want it to continue to establish and put down more roots next year. In the spring, when the buds start to break, you're going to find there will be some dead wood on it. That's very natural and normal. Get your sharp little pruners out in April or May, and you're going to trim out all the dead wood then. You're also going to look for crisscrossing branches and anything that's a little bit damaged over the winter. So you're going to do a little bit of cleaning up in the spring. Uh, Nothing major in terms of pruning, just strictly for health and shape. Uh, and at that point, you will fertilize as well. But for now, your main thing is just make sure it goes into winter as healthy as possible, so with sufficient moisture and with that little bit of insulating material over the crown, which you will not put in place until November. Okay, November. So I don't have to tent it then. Tenting it won't really do you any good. We use okay. tents on evergreens to help with um, slowing down dehydration more than anything. Or if they're in a situation where they're going to get salt spray, it protects them from the salt. Uh, a deciduous plant tented, you often cause more problems than you, than you solve. All right. Okay, because you, you can end up trapping all kinds of cold air inside that, that little uh, burlap gnome that you end up with on your front lawn. So okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go crazy with burlap, but do certainly consider that, that idea of a hill once the plant is completely dormant. So we're talking All right, November. Thank All right. You. You're very Thank welcome. Thank you so much. Good Thank you. You are listening to the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. If you live in Toronto, call this number to reach Charlie, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, 1-866-740-4740. That is a toll-free line. Our time is uh, coming around to 940, so uh, we're going to take a little break here and come back very shortly and have a chat with Bonnie in Oakville. Back in just a moment. Transplanting good ideas from one gardener to another. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And I'm the sous chef, Frank Proctor. Grace is the voice that you hear when you first call in the show. And uh, from Oakville, we have Bonnie on the line. Good morning, Bonnie. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. Uh, I'm calling about a problem with um, my my peonies. Mm -hmm. Mildew. um, And it started last year. And um, I know it, it was transferred from the flocks. It, it, that's where it originally started. But it's happened again this year, and it didn't, uh, the mildew wasn't on the flocks. It was just on the peonies. And, and these peonies, uh, they're actually ones that I split. Mm-hmm. They're, it's an old peony bush. And uh, it's never happened before. So and what you're they're, they're they're space there's a, there's a good space around them, um, they're getting how much sun are they sun, getting morning sun okay see that's probably what it is I find that 
couple of things. What you're seeing on the peony is that the green leaves suddenly got kind of a gray haze to them about a month ago. And yeah. then that gray haze actually gets a little grayer as time yeah. goes on. And it, it is a powdery mildew, a form of powdery or downy mildew. Either way, um, what I find is, see, morning sun is a very gentle light. Yeah. Of course, it's a much harsher or brighter or hotter sun that we get in the afternoon. So it's probably got something to do with that. I know I've had that where peonies are great for a couple of years and then as the plant gets bigger the leaves there's more leaves or perhaps the trees overhead are getting a little bigger and there's a little more shade or just the shrubbery around is getting a little bigger and there's a little less air circulation mm -hmm. that suddenly I start seeing very consistent mildew on the peonies every every summer now you say you first saw it last year well remember last year was the the summer of gray and cold and almost daily rain so we yeah. saw a lot of mildew last year because of the weather conditions that that's you know and that was the first year that's why i was surprised this year this year yeah because we've had we've had so much sun and, and that's right optimal conditions mm -hmm. but you know what it's probably again it's just one of those things you can if you wanted to move those peonies and now would be the time to do it into a brighter spot where there's a you know a little more sun preferably hotter afternoon sun maybe a little better air circulation mm -hmm. you could eliminate that problem mm -hmm. the other thing is if it really bugs you and you just don't want to see those gray leaves remember every year that this is going to happen round about early august get yourself uh, some garden sulfur or it'll be a, it'll say right on the label either garden sulfur or garden fungicide yes. and you will spray to prevent that problem you oh. can't eradicate a, a fungus like that once it starts to to grow on the leaves it's there uh -huh. but you can uh, you can avoid it happening by protecting the plant by spraying with sulfur before it happens okay uh, but it's not going to hurt the plants if if you're at all worried it's yeah. strictly an aesthetic thing oh it is yeah okay. it's not going to hurt the peonies whatsoever okay <clears throat> oh that's good okay uh, actually they bloom so it, it oh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, they bloom in the early spring, and, of course, yeah. the flower buds are forming now below ground, yeah. so they're fine. Don't worry. The, the peonies are happy and healthy. The, and, again, it's similar to the, the gentleman who called about the tar spot on the maples. It doesn't look pretty, but it won't, hurt, it won't kill the maples. The okay. maples have had all summer to photosynthesize, and same with your peonies. They've had all summer. The right. leaves are all going down, as they should, on our plants right now, and we've got to let it happen. Okay. Well, okay. Bonnie, oh. breathing a great sigh of relief there. <laughs> oh, yes, I am. I, I just love them. They're such oh, a beautiful yeah, plant. Yeah. And, um, so if I sprayed this fungicide, mm -hmm. um, uh, you said early August, or could I do it like first, th uh, first, um, first of the year, like when they start to... Mm. to no, you'll spray, well, you can spray then, but you'll basically be wasting the fungicide. Oh. So what you'll do is you'll recognize that it's certain weather conditions that cause the fungus to grow. High humidity, okay. cooler nights, okay. uh, and, and warm temperatures during the day, which is so often what we see in August. Oh, it could okay. be early, it could be mid-August, but that's when we start to see those uh, you know, warm days, cool nights, and, and fairly high humidity. And so that's that when we spray to prevent okay. the fungus. I actually think the mildew started before then. Okay. Yeah. So you're right. It's one of those things that it's really it's weather dependent it's and it's just weather. Yeah. yeah yep. It just it just happened that way. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. All righty. All right. We'll do then. Thanks so much. Thanks Thank for you, your Bonnie. Call. Thanks for joining us here on the Garden Show from AM seven forty nine forty six on this. Um, I'm kind of coolish Saturday morning. Not bad, though. Well, you know, great gardening weather. Yeah, I guess so. sun was really out this morning, but I guess they are. it's kind of clouded over now. They were talking about some rain later. Mm -hmm. But uh, it is just the best time right now to be considering doing any kind of transplanting. If you have plants in your garden that are in the 
you know, a, a location that turned out to not be the best. I find sometimes the plants don't read the books or they don't read. The, they just didn't read the tag they, that came with them. What's wrong with those dumb plants? I know. Yeah. You'd think the plant would, would read the tag at least, you know, grow like it says, you know. And like you're saying, you don't like plants that get taller than you. Yeah. I don't like plants that don't read the tags. It's only supposed to grow 18 inches tall and all of a sudden it's four feet tall. Yeah, you know? Wait a minute. What happened? It's in the wrong location in my garden. So my husband says, well, you're the expert. You're supposed to know where things go. And I go, yeah, but if the plant doesn't grow according to the information that came with it, I have to move it. He goes, because you're always moving things. (laughs) Now is the time. This is the perfect time to transplant. So anything that's in the wrong spot, uh, we had a caller earlier who uh, didn't want to get on the air, but she asked about rhubarb. Can she move rhubarb? Absolutely. This is the time to do it. Now with plants that are really big, like say... Say you've got, I've got a monster hosta in my back uh, garden. It's one of those mammoth. It's probably bigger than you, Frank. It oh, is gee, so thanks. big. It's a mammoth <laughs> hosta. It is, it's probably you know five feet across and about you know three feet tall. It definitely needs to be separated. Now, those big leaves, how do I possibly even get in there? Don't hesitate. Just cut them off. Same with the rhubarb. Cut off the leaves. Now you can see what you're working with in terms of the the, the actual plant, the digging, the the severing uh, with the sharp knife as necessary, and then uh, dispersing pieces to the neighbors and friends. Why are you looking at me like that? You said it was bigger than me. It was three feet tall. Yeah, look, the plane, boss, the plane. No, well, it's not that short. <laughs> you don't like plants that are bigger than you. You should see this hosta. It's really big. I'm biggie. Okay. <laughs> so that being said. Very good time to transplant. Soils, perfect temperature. Okay. Plants are ready to grow. Use some bone meal if you're transplanting or transplanter fertilizer if you're transplanting. I know everybody says spring is the time to get in the garden. It's cold in the spring. The soil is freezing. The, the roots don't do anything. The roots kind of sit there and go <laughs> and they wait till the soil warms up. So you think you're out there being real cool. I'm getting my garden all organized and replanted in the spring. It's all sitting there for a month or so while it waits for the soil to warm up. Do it today and those plants are growing within minutes of you transplanting them. I'm serious. Okay. Well, I know you it's are. It's all about warm soil. The soil is nice and warm. The roots are ready to grow. All you got to do is move them around, give them a little water, a little bit of, like I said, bone meal or transplanter, and they will grow. Okay. Right. Uh, Brampton, famous for the Rose Theater, and yes. Engelbert Humperdinck is coming there. And, I know. Are you going to go? Oh, well, I, oh. Throw I'd, your panties or something. <laughs> Isn't he one of those ones that people throw? Yeah, you just see me in my Stanfields, you know, <laughs> throwing them at him. Like it's knocked over. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, you nut bar. Love um, those visuals. <laughs> you can win tickets and, in fact, a chance to meet Engelbert by listening to Norm Edwards 440 with Name That Tune. That's cool. And we're playing Engelbert's music, and you call in, be the seventh caller, and hey, you could be there October I'm, the 12th. I'm going to put that on my calendar. Right. Well, I know that <laughs> Angela, who's on the line and waiting for, for a chat with you, uh, will be along with that, and maybe she's wishing to see Engelbert. We'll just see if we can arrange, Angela. Uh, stand by. <laughs> we'll be back to you in a moment here. Getting to the root of a growing dilemma. This is the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And Frank Proctor here welcoming Angela to the line from Brampton. I don't know whether I can arrange any tickets for you, Angela, but for Engelbert. But what's your question, my love? Oh, hi, morning, Frank. I wish you could arrange tickets. I've been trying all week and can't get through. Oh, keep trying, hon. (laughs) It's on next week, eh? Uh, October 12th, yes. Oh, great. Thanks. I'll keep trying. Okay. Hi, Charlie. Morning. I have a, a tropical hibiscus, which is an in-ground, uh, in, uh, you know. Indoor uh, plant. Yep. Yeah. 
and I've had it out all all summer. Perfect. And it's really quite large, mm-hmm. and it's still blooming, and I'm still wondering, can I cut it back now? You can, but remember, you're going to cut off all those beautiful buds when you do I that. I know. Is it going to still continue blooming now, though, because it's getting cold? Oh, well, this is always the trick with hibiscus, that, you know, now's the time. You're absolutely right to be thinking about bringing it indoors. And if it's too big to get it through the door because it was so happy all summer or too heavy or or just too awkward to fit into your home, you have to cut it back. You have no option. If it's something that you can manage the size to get it into the house and still live with it for the next month or two at that size, I would not cut it back just to enjoy all the the buds and and blooms that are coming. Uh, Cutting it back will obviously remove those buds. Will it set more buds right away? Unlikely. Yeah. yeah, it's going to actually go as you bring. Remember when we go from outside to inside, the light levels drop dramatically. Yeah. Even if you go into the sunniest window in your house, it's still a lot less sun, and that will affect the plant's ability to set more more flower buds. More flowers. Right. So that's why I always say cut back really hard in the spring, in anticipation of all the growth that's going to come all summer, so that you won't have to cut back in the fall. You know, I did do it in the spring, but it just. Off. It's been a good year. <laughs> it just took off. It's, it's a happy so, plant by the sounds of it. It's very happy. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was wondering, well, I'll see if I can bring it in and then I can cut it later on in the year is what you're saying. That's right. Or the other thing is, remember, you can take cuttings now. Now, mind you, again, you're still going to lose the buds because yeah. if you do take cuttings, just be starting little plants for the future for your friends or for yourself. Uh-huh. But uh, but you can, you know, start again with a smaller plant okay. if, if part of the problem is the plant is just getting too big and too out of control. Okay. All right. right. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks Thanks for for calling, Angela. And good luck to you next week getting through those uh, questions about Engelbert. Engelbert. Yeah. Well, we were just talking about him being kind of an old guy, weren't we? Well, he's getting old. You know, I don't know, but... uh, He's about 150 by now. He's not a spring chicken anymore, but But he still gets up there and active as all get out. Gyrates. He must take Sierra Cell. That's what I was wondering. Exactly. If he doesn't, well, he must. (laughs) He wouldn't be able to move like that if he didn't take Sierra Cell. Sierra Cell is a natural, as we've mentioned before, it's a natural mineral supplement to keep all of us active. As our joints stiffen up with age or whether we've got a little bit of arthritis or whatever the case may be. And as I mentioned last week, even pets can benefit from taking. Cats and dogs can benefit from taking Sierra Cell. Oh, I can just see me trying to give Dickens, my cat, some Sierra Cell. (laughs) (laughs) I I become inured in bandages next week. I know. It's hard to give a cat a pill. Phone number for the guys uh, Sierra Cell, they're always there standing by, happy to take your questions and listen to any of your, your problems that you might be having. They do guarantee that you have results within 14 days of taking this product. If not, money back guaranteed. The phone number, one eight seven seven joint 14 Well, Jerry in Burlington has a little problem. I, I always think of um, Catherine Hepburn when I hear the Calla lilies are in bloom. Uh, is a maybe question. his aren't. <laughs> maybe that's a problem. I don't know. Jerry in, Catherine. <laughs> in Burlington, how are your calla lilies doing? I'm wonderful, thank you. I love your humor, you guys. <laughs> uh, Charlie, thank you. Um, I have some calla lilies. They're only the 12-inch, uh, 14-inch variety. The leaves have not um, gone yellow yet, mm-hmm. but I was wondering, can, can I take them out? At this point, are they out in the garden or are they in pots? They're, they're outside in the garden. I'd like to take them out because I want to put in a still be in the place of one uh, of them. Okay. Um, hmm. Too soon. Too soon. But if you really want to get that a still be in place, can maybe can you pop the calla lilies up and just pot, pot them into a pot temporarily? Oh, okay. Or 
you know, pop them in the ground somewhere else, like temporarily, because the calla lilies, as you recognize, are a bulb, and they are as the fin- as they finish blooming, the leaves fatten up the bulb for next year, and then slowly but surely the leaves will go completely dormant, and then you'll take the bulbs in for the winter. So it's really only another month or so, five weeks at the most, before you're taking those bulbs in. So if you can allow them to just go down naturally, turn yellow naturally, it would be better in terms of the the dormant of the bulb being properly dormant. And it wouldn't be too late at that point then to transplant no. my astobe? Uh, it'd be better. No, your, your instincts are right on that. It would be better to transplant the astobe now. Okay. So, so maybe just pop the calla lily somewhere else, even, like I said, into a temporary pot somewhere. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks Thank so much you, for your Jerry. call. Good question. Thanks for listening to the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. We have time to uh, get to one more call here, do we? I guess if I can answer it fast. Okay. That's the, the big question. <laughs> let's let's see if uh, Florence can be uh, rapid with her question here. <laughs> Hi, uh, Florence in Mississauga. Welcome along here. Hi. Morning. Morning. Um, my daughter has an aloe vera, mm-hmm. and she says that it keeps falling over. The trunk is about two inches around mm-hmm. but the and it's it's very healthy but it's very heavy and it's uh, has large spikes on it how can she anchor it down whatever uh, okay so it's obviously very old and they tend to get very top heavy if they get very old like that so she, she finds it kind of flops around in the pot i guess two uh, options one well or, or when you said falls over does it actually have like a real big stem standing up above the ground I didn't get that. Does it, is it standing up on a stem above above yes, the ground? Yes, it is. Okay, so anchoring that is tough. What's happened is the older mature leaves have died off, so she now has a naked stem, and then the, the rosette of leaves are up above the soil level, which does make this whole thing very awkward and top-heavy. The only thing I can suggest she can do... Well, Actually, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. I, the simplest thing to suggest is s- bamboo stakes around the plant, three or four of them, mm-hmm. ho- like basically holding that top-heavy plant in position so that it's not flopping all over the place. Oh, okay. What that plant wants to do and may already be doing is sending daughter or baby plants off of the, the sides of it, little uh, suckers off the side. Right. And ultimately, that's what she should do is keep a baby and get rid of the mother plant. Just uh, send it off to the composter in the sky and start another baby down at ground level. Uh, and start again. That would be the best thing to do, okay, ultimately. Okay, very uh, good. The thank circle of life. Exactly. What a nice way to finish up the show. Yeah, thanks for your call. Well, thank you uh, to all the calls. Yes. Very interesting questions this morning. We appreciate that, and we'll be back we again next week. We will, and you're a, here for a little while yet? Yeah, Live in the City coming up with all sorts of special guests. Exciting stuff going on. Yes. Well, thank you, Frank, for being such a good sport, as I was giving you a very hard time today. You were. Frank was ignoring me when I got here this morning. I was morning. at my computer going crazy trying to complete some of the stuff for my interviews and you were just you know you wouldn't let me alone exactly i wanted some attention so and on, i wasn't talk. getting it what's the matter you're ignoring me <laughs> you you don't believe what i go through folks honest I'm to god tough. <laughs> <laughs> but we do have fun when we're not uh, nagging at each other <laughs> you have a great week thank you you have a great show and a great week thanks so much grace and thanks to all our good callers see you next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.